Listening to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast where we share the knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science to help you learn and embody ancient wisdom in a practical way to optimize your health, deepen your spiritual practice, and step into your peak potential. I'm your host, Mel Singh. Welcome to the podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back. Today is a very special day. I've got a very special episode for you, partially because today I'm not coming at you live. I'm coming at you not live. (laughs) Usually I do these podcasts for those of you who don't know. I go live in my Facebook group, Align with Ayurveda. You know, I answer questions. It's really interactive and, you know, people in the Facebook group get to see it. But today I am not doing that. It is me in front of my audio recording software talking to a computer screen. (laughs) Um, The reason being, I really wanted to get this podcast up to you because I think it's super important. And B, I could not go live because we do not have internet because we just experienced a cyclone. Yes, that is right. We just had a cyclone (laughs) come through uh, Goa and we are okay. Um, As me and a friend said, I feel like the word cyclone sounds really terrifying. Like to me in my brain cyclone is like water tornado but actually it's it's like a hurricane i think it's which also sounds scary <laughs> but uh it was okay it was a, like a, imagine a really big storm um definitely lots of like trees and debris falling all of the things but anyways we are okay but we have no internet and we have no power which is really sad as well but my computer's charged and i'm charged and i'm ready to go and i'm ready to share some things with you guys today so let's get into the topic of conversation which is i want to share with you today i want to share sort of like the flip side right because like with every say like problem quote unquote or with everything that you're like not doing there's a thing that you can be doing that's going to be helpful so what i want to share with you today also if you hear in the background because it's super hot Um, I have to have like the windows open because I will just like hashtag pizza problems. I will just like sweat and who even knows what will happen. So the windows are open. The breeze is coming. So if you hear like the beautiful sounds of like the breezy leaves in the background, that's that. It's the beautiful sounds of the breezy leaves. Anyway, um, so what I want to chat about today, like I said, I want to talk about the three reasons why what you're doing right now isn't necessarily working to support you in reducing those feelings of like stress anxiety, and ultimately feeling like exhausted AF. And then I want to talk about sort of, again, like the flip side of that, right? Or like, well, what are the three things that you do need to be doing? What are the three things that you do need to be taking into consideration if you want to um, experience like deep, lasting, potent, powerful change and transformation? Because as an Ayurvedic counselor slash coach, I see a lot of, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I work with a lot of people. I see people all the time. And there's these like really common things that I see and that I hear from people. And interestingly, I had a conversation with someone the other day and she was like, oh my God, Mel, you just like nailed it on the head when um, I guess in one of my like emails that I sent out, I mentioned something like, you know, are you doing yoga and meditation and like, I don't know, saging and like cleansing things and doing all of these like spiritual practices and like reading all these self-help books thinking like, yes, this is going to be the thing to create the change. And you're doing all of those things, but nothing's really changing. So like, just reflect for a moment, like, are you doing all these things that you think that you should be doing? Like the yoga and the meditation and the sage, and you're kind of eating hashtag, you know, clean or quote unquote clean, right? 
but you're not actually seeing any tangible shifts in your energy and you still feel stressed and you still feel anxious and, and you're not really seeing a progression in that area. Like get honest with yourself for a second and just ask yourself, is that the case for me? And so if that is what you're experiencing, the three biggest things that I see for people that they're not doing, and then we'll talk about what it would look like to do those things, is that they are number one, they're not doing things in a way that is bio-individual. Okay, so the things, the meditation, the yoga, the sage, these are all really generic things that they're doing. They're reading something in a book, they're reading something on Instagram or Facebook or watching a YouTube video or like even worse, like a YouTube meditation, just like a random one. And they don't actually know if it's good for them, but they heard somewhere, oh, meditation's really good, I'm gonna do meditation. The same with breath work. I talk about this OMG, I talk about this all the time. I think breath work's amazing. I think there are some amazing people out there promoting, you know, the power of the breath and it is powerful. But the thing is we need to understand and we need to access the wisdom of how to use these tools to, for, for us that keep in mind our unique bio-individuality, okay? So when we're doing all of the quote-unquote all of the things and we're not doing them in a way that's going to be supportive for us as a unique individual, it might not be appropriate and it might cause more anxiety. I can't tell you the amount of people who I talk to who like have come to me whenever I make a post about, you know, like, oh, breath work can actually cause more anxiety. You, I, have, I can't even tell you how many people slide into my DMs or comment on the post and are like, oh my God, yeah, I thought it was crazy. I thought there was something wrong with me that I was doing meditation or breath work and it was making it worse. Well, maybe because the way that you're doing it and how you're doing it and what you're doing isn't in alignment with you. Okay, so what we need to do, I guess I'll just address it this way. So if what you're not doing right now is aligning with your bio-individual nature, well, you just got to do the opposite of that, right? (laughs) You just have to align with your bio-individual nature. So what that looks like is you need to understand who are you? What makes you you? What are the unique qualities, characteristics, elements, and attributes that make you you? This is where Ayurveda is brilliant. Ayurveda has a whole darshana, a whole way of looking at the world and looking at individuals um, and a language to, to describe who you are and a system to describe and identify what are the practices, rituals, foods that you should be eating that are highly in alignment for you as a unique bio-individual. Okay, so we need to understand our dosha, the language of the doshas, the language of the elements and the attributes, how those energies interact with us and how they you know, are at play within us. And once we understand that, then we can start to align our practices, like literally everything from your yoga practice, like your asana practice, right? Or whether maybe you don't practice asana, maybe you have a movement practice, right? You know, so understanding how everything from our nutrition, our yoga, our meditation, you know, these subtle energetic practices, Ayurveda has a whole, again, system of wisdom to talk about what, uh, what crystals should we use? What, uh, aromatherapy, uh, things should we use, right? So what scents should we use incense or should we use essential oils? Ayurveda has a whole system to describe that. And so again, I think it's so important that in this day and age, right, we've got access to so much information, But what I'm starting to realize is that knowing and having all this information doesn't necessarily make any difference if you don't understand and have the wisdom to apply that to yourself, to apply that to you intelligently as an individual. And in my oh so humble opinion, I feel that Ayurveda gives us that wisdom. It bridges the gap between all of this extraneous information out there and how to apply it with ourselves. And it's not just about like Uh, necessarily applying like this ancient wisdom to ourselves. It's also about giving us a language to understand how we can apply anything 
to ourselves. Even these modern, you know, foods or modern practices or whatever it is, the principles are universal. So when we understand Ayurveda, this is something I'm so freaking passionate about, okay? I get all fired up when I talk about it. But when we understand the foundations of Ayurveda, we can literally use that darshana, that view of the world and the way that, and, and the understanding of how these energies, elements, and attributes interact to apply them to any situation in our lives, okay? So I got really fired up there, but the number one thing that people are not doing that they need to be doing that Ayurveda can help with is understanding your bio-individuality and aligning with that individuality. Right now, you're probably just doing random things. You're doing the things that you think you should be doing, but they're not in alignment with your unique bio-individual nature. And by the way, I'm going to say one thing before I go on to the next thing. For example, okay, I know that, um, so most yoga studios don't necessarily have like a an Ayurvedic yoga class, okay? Or I know that a lot of people who are following me are Ashtanga practitioners. I personally am an Ashtanga practitioner. I love the practice. Uh, and the practice, for those of you who don't know, it's the same. It doesn't change. The poses don't change to suit you as an individual. They are what they are. And so what I always say to people and how I coach people through embodied Ayurveda is understanding, well, then how do we meet something that might not be changing with an energy that would be in alignment with our dosha? So we can also learn through the wisdom of Ayurveda how to approach things in a way that would be more in alignment for our dosha and how to, you know, not approach things in a way that might be aggravating for our dosha. So I just want to say too, it's not like we are, I don't know, just like changing every single thing in our entire world to suit us as individuals. The reality is we're going to interact with people, circumstances, situations, etc., that are going to aggravate our dosha, that are going to upset us, that are going to irritate us. I'm really hot right now, for example, as a Pitta person, and I can't just like change the weather outside, right? So how do we do the work to understand how to make changes and shifts that do align with our individual nature? Really keeping in mind, like controlling what we can and letting go of what we can't control. So if we can do the work to be in control and be in alignment with the things that we can control and can be in alignment with, that's going to take us really, really far. So in the context of, say, a meditation or a yoga practice, when we are doing things in a way that aligns with our dosha, it creates balance. But if we're doing things in a way or we're doing meditations, I'll use the example of vata dosha because I find that a lot of people who come to me have a an imbalanced vata dosha. So if we are in a vata dosha space and we're doing meditation and breath work that increase the air element, that increase the space element, that are really expansive in nature, that are not grounding in nature, we're gonna find that we're more spaced out, that we're more vata in nature, right? So we need to, when again, when we understand the language of Ayurveda, it becomes very simple to create these shifts and to create that balance, right? And it becomes almost like common sense, right? It becomes like Ayurvedic common sense that, oh, okay, I'm a vata, I wouldn't do this like, really like explorative meditation, I would do something that's a little bit more grounding, right? And again, if we do these practices over time um, in a way that's balancing, it creates such powerful, beautiful balance and harmony. But when we do these practices over time that are aggravating and that uh, create imbalance, what we see is a lot of dysregulation in Vata Dosha, a lot of dysregulation in the nervous system and just like a massive like misalignment. So for the most part, we do want to be doing things and intentionally, consciously choosing practices and, you know, rituals and, you know, foods that are going to be in alignment with our unique nature. So the second thing that I see people really not necessarily doing and that we can work on is they're not acknowledging and addressing their multidimensional nature. 
And I feel like the word multidimensional nature is kind of like, whoa, like esoteric and doesn't make sense. So let me make it make sense for you. When I say you're multidimensional nature, I mean this idea that you are an integration of the mind, body, and spirit. You're not just a mind. You're not just a body. You're not just a soul. You're the integration of it all. You're this whole integrated being. And typically when people come to me, they come to me for some, some version of they're stressed, anxious, and they're fucking tired. <laughs> and they feel like they've been doing things. Like when people come to me, they've like kind of been, they've been like doing the work sort of. Like they've been doing some of the things. They've been doing, you know, pieces of the puzzle. But they're doing pieces of the puzzle. Pieces of the puzzle that don't necessarily integrate the mind, body, and spirit. So for example, when people come to me and they're stressed and anxious, typically what they've been doing is some sort of meditation. Maybe they've been seeing a counselor. Maybe they've been reading like all of the self-help books under the sun, right? They've been doing things that typically work on the mind, right? Or, you know, people are tired Maybe they've been focusing more on the body. Maybe they've been focusing more on their nutrition. Maybe they've been focusing more on like movement, right? So they'll be doing the yoga, you know, from the perspective of, okay, I want to get energy. They've been doing nutrition things and taking vitamins and supplements and stuff like that because they think that that's what's going to get them energy. And yes, that's one piece of it. But what's missing is the entire, they're, they're putting pieces of the puzzle down, but not the entire, they don't have all the pieces. So we need all of the pieces of the puzzle, right? We need to work on the mind, body, and spirit as an integrative whole and acknowledge that, for example, movement is going to not only affect the body, it will affect the mind and it will affect the spirit. Nutrition will not just affect the body, but it will affect the mind and it will affect the spirit. And this is one of the coolest things. This is why I like fell in love with Ayurveda was because I loved, I like initially just fell in love with like nutrition. I love food. For those of you who know me, I'm a huge foodie. And for me, when I learned about Ayurvedic nutrition, I learned about the, the more like spiritual way that it looked at nutrition. I was like so like fascinated. I was like, I need to learn more about this. Like I just like dove deep into all of the things and seeing the way that our food impacts not just our body, but our mind was fascinating. Right. And so the same thing with say meditation and breath work, we know, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it back a step as well. You've probably heard me talk about this, but the gut brain axis, the gut brain axis is this two way, you know, communication between the gut and the brain that says that the state of our digestive system in our gut, which is largely influenced by the food that we eat, communicates to our brain, right? And that the state of our gut is also influenced by our brain, right? So our brain is communicating with our gut. Our gut is communicating with our brain. So our mood, our mind, our emotions, our level of stress, our level of anxiety as it manifests in the mind influences the physical body, right? So if we are stressed, it's going to disrupt digestion. If we're feeling anxious, overwhelmed, if we're in our head, so to speak, it's going to influence digestive digestion, probably in a negative way. And if we're eating foods that are inflammatory, that aren't in alignment with our physical body, um, and you know, we're just, we're not regular in that sense, that's also going to affect the mind. That's going to increase stress in the, in, in the mind, but also in the physical body, because inflammation in the physical body is the physical manifestation of stress in the tissues, so seeing this in a scientific way kind of all come together is something that Ayurveda has literally known for honestly thousands and thousands of years, which is this deep connection between Agni and the mind, right? The body and the mind. Ayurveda has known this, but seeing this sort of come out in science has been super, super fascinating. And so again, we need this like multidimensional whole body, whole person approach to healing that takes into account like you as a unique individual where you are and what you need right because some people for example who come into embodied ayurveda 
they might need more help with the nutrition piece and they're actually pretty good on the meditation piece. They just need a few tweaks here and there. Or maybe they come in and they're, you know, um, they're more like they need way more help with more mind-based therapies from an Ayurvedic lens and they're pretty good with nutrition and they just need a few tweaks here and there. We need to meet the person as an individual and arm them with, you know, a multi-dimensional, let's call it like, yeah, like a multi-dimensional toolkit of resources. We need to give them the entire piece of the puzzle. And so, like I said, when people come to me, they don't even know they're, this awareness of like, they kind of have an intuition, like maybe share with me, send me DM if you're listening to this, because obviously we're not live and you can't just type in the comments below, but whatever, send me a message or just maybe in your head, acknowledge this. Like there is an intuitive knowing within you that you are not just a body. You're not just a mind. There's something in you that like craves this like deeper knowledge right? And like, that was me. And I know that because that was totally me. And so for me, Ayurveda is that deeper knowledge. It's the integration of the mind, body, spirit, like wellness path that understands that even nutrition is multidimensional. Even movement is multidimensional. Your breath is multidimensional. All of these practices, your dinacharya, all of it is, um, operates in this like multidimensional way to support you in your most vibrant, energized health. So what we need to do, like I said, is really address this multidimensional nature and understand that it's not just going to be this like one thing. We're not just working on the body. We're not just working on the mind. We're not just working on the spirit. We're working on the integration of all of things. And in fact, I started reading, if you haven't read this book yet, oh my God, you got to read it. It's called How to Do the Work. I think that's what it's called. How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera, I believe. She's on Instagram as the holistic psychologist and hot damn. I was like, yes, this is honestly, it was so affirming for me. Um, A, because I'm like, I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm craving to read more about this and understand this from as many lenses as I can. But it was really affirming for me in the sense that she is a psychologist and she refers to herself as a holistic psychologist because what happened was in her own journey, she felt that this like one way of psychology of just looking at and treating the mind fell flat. She was like, no, like these people are, she didn't say it in this language, but she's like, these people are multidimensional. They're a mind, body, spirit continuum. And we need to address all of these layers. And this is what happened for me when I first started on my journey, right? I was just like personal trainer, really science-based. I was really like, um, I, I was like, I laugh about this, but I was just like beer drinking, meat eating, rugby player, who like it was very like body-based. It was very physical. I was like not spiritual. I would like laugh at spiritual kind of things, right? Like it didn't, I wasn't there yet. You know, I would like mock it sometimes. So if you're, I don't know if you're in that space or you know someone who's in that space, just know that it's possible to transform. I totally did it. And uh, look at me now, people, look at me now. Anyways, she goes on to say that, you know, she was working with people, again, only in this sort of like mind-based way and that she's like, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for me to only be able to look at these people from the perspective of their mind when I was doing research that showed the way that nutrition impacted the mind, the way that movement impacted the mind, the way that a spiritual practice impacted the mind. Like, what if I created a way of doing things that incorporated it all? where we integrated like mind, body, spirit, healing. And that's what she did as a psychologist. And I was like, son of a gun, that's what we do in EA. <laughs> like that's what we do in embodied Ayurveda is so much of this integrative, you know, whole body, whole person, mind, body, spirit, you know, highly integrated healing is essentially what we do because we know that we're not just a body or a mind or a spirit. We're the intersection of all of those things. And so it was so like affirming for me in so many ways. And it was so 
um, what's the word, like a breath of fresh air almost, that like this is where we're going. We're, we're getting back to our roots in the sense that we don't operate as an ind- independent, is that the word? Yeah, like an independent system. The mind is not independent of the body. The body is not independent of the mind. And to see many, you know, science-based practitioners really echoing this in their, you know, research. And she even shared, she's like, you know, when I first started doing this work, people were really like, not about it. Like they were really um, hesitant to take it on, but she has seen some incredible, you know, shifts and results. I know I've seen some incredible shifts and transformations with our students inside of Embodied Ayurveda. It's honestly magical. And these are people again, who have been, who are not new to health and wellness. Like it's not that they're not smart individuals or in fact some of the smartest most capable people that I've ever met but they don't have this language right and so in my experience this is like I feel hot tip that's not on here but I do believe in educating right one of the sort of like I call this like the I don't know if you would call the three pillars but I sort of operate inside of this like learn embody teach model where I stand that all of my students both learn Ayurveda, they learn the language of it. They learn the language of Ayurveda, they learn, which is ultimately the language of themselves. And then they embody it deeply. And we'll talk about the embodiment piece in a second. And then the third step, if you so choose, is to then go on and teach this wisdom to other people. Because what I find is people feel so inspired by learning this. They're like, OMG, how do I bring this to the people in my world, the people in my life? And I tend to work with people, like I said, who are in the health and wellness field. Maybe they're nutritionists or yoga teachers, right? Conscious entrepreneurs, conscious leaders who then want to be able to like bring this to their people, right? So Anyways, I think it is very important that we learn this language and we understand how to really see ourselves for our multidimensional nature, how to address ourselves in a bio-individual way. And then the last thing when we, you know, sort of talk about this embodiment piece, the last thing that I see people not doing is not being consistent. Consistency is key. Consistency is queen, <laughs> not king, queen, okay? <laughs> Actually, today said, you know what Sat said? Mama, girls are leaders, boys are assistants. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, yes. She goes, Mama, me and you are the leaders. Papa is the assistant. And I was just like, you're hilarious. My kid is hilarious. Anyways, the consistency piece. This is really, really key. This is key for so, so many reasons. Um, It's key for the embodiment piece. Actually, first, let me talk about, it's key for vata dosha. If you've heard me talk about stress, anxiety, depletion, this is classic vata dosha. And one of the most um, powerful and yet simple ways to calm Vata Dosha is consistency, consistent ritual, consistent routine. And so um, consistency is not only going to pacify and calm Vata Dosha and also the nervous system, but consistent actions taken over time create, you're going to want to like write this down somewhere actually. Let me just preface it by saying this, okay? And then let me go back and say that again. Consistent actions taken over time create new neural pathways in the brain and you will show up in the world and you will carry out your neural pathways, right? Habits are nothing more than well-ingrained neural pathways. So if you want to be successful, here's the, here's the biggest thing that I see with people too, right? You know what you need to do, but guess what? Tell me right now, or maybe answer this for yourself. You know what you need to do. This isn't rocket science. Oh, I thought of this like good slogan the other day. It's not rocket science. It's yogic science. Ooh, good one, right? <laughs> you probably know what you need to do. On some level, you probably know the what. 
and the what is important, right? This is where the learning is helpful, right? You probably know what or some version of what or some version of what you need to do that would at least get you a little bit further along, but you might not be doing it right now. You might not be being consistent. You might struggle with habit change. This is huge. And this is true for people, you know, across all, it doesn't matter if you're this like genius nutritionist or this genius, you know, yoga teacher, and you're amazing at all these these other things. If your neural connections and your neural pathways are not laid down or what we would call in yoga, your samskaras, if you don't have a samskara, okay, a neural pathway laid down for a particular habit, you're probably not going to do it, right? So initially it's going to take a level of like discipline, tapas, in order to lay down those neural connections, but you got to do it. Because like I said, the, the, the consistency in and of itself is going to lay down those neural pathways and eventually it'll become a habit. You'll almost like not even think about it, but we need that level of consistency. Because for these practices, for example, we go back to the beginning, you know, meditation, yoga, whatever the practices are that we determine are going to be the most beneficial for you are only beneficial as and when you do them. Okay. And we need to do them daily over a period of time. This is a daily practice. We need to do the work daily, right? Yoga philosophy and the yoga sutras, I don't know what yoga sutra it is that said this, but it talks about the mind as a garden. And if we leave the mind untended, it's going to grow weeds. And we need to pick those weeds every day via these practices that we determine are going to be best for you. Because if we don't pick them every day, those weeds are going to come up again and again. It's also like showering, right? (laughs) You can't just shower once and expect to be clean. Nah, man, you got to shower every day (laughs) or every other day, every every third day, whatever floats your boat. (laughs) But you have to do these things consistently or you're going to build up as my daughter would say, gunk. You're going to get gunky. The, the, the mind, the garden of the mind is going to get weedy. So we need to show up and we need to do this work every day. And this is why, again, if you're someone who does yoga every now and then, you meditate every now and then, or you go to these like weekend virtual retreat, you know, breathwork experiences, and you have this like amazing experience after this like one hour workshop, but then you don't do anything during the week. This is why that one hour breathwork journey workshop, which A, may have increased your anxiety if you're being totally honest, and B, was just one hour one time, is not going to create the long-term sustainable change and shift that you want it to. If you want to create long-term sustainable shifts, you have to change your habits. You have to change your patterns. You have to lay down new neural connections in your brain, or you will continue to stay in the sad cycle over and over and over the sad cycle being, I think people used to, uh, I think initially when I posted this, people thought I meant like seasonal affective disorder. (laughs) I don't mean seasonal affective disorder, though I'm sure that new neural networks could support in some ways with seasonal affective disorder, but I do mean the cycle of stress, anxiety, and depletion. That's sort of like, um, I have a whole podcast on that that maybe I can link in the show notes here, but where I'm going with this is we need to do these practices daily. It has to be a daily practice of doing the work. It has to be a daily practice of picking the weeds from that garden of the mind, you know, showering the metaphorical mind, whatever sort of like analogy works better for you. It has to be done daily um, or it's not going to be helpful for us. And this is what, when I was a neurophysiology geek back in the day and I was doing all of my, you know, more functional neurophysiology courses, we talked about this this thing called parking lot syndrome. Okay, so I was a... I was a uh, 
I almost said physical therapist. I was a personal trainer and a kinesiologist and I worked with the physical body, right? I worked with people in their physical body. And we talked about, well, how do we get people out of pain? That was like the big thing that we worked through was getting people out of pain and obviously helping people change and shift their physical body. And so we would always, people would, and I mean, maybe share with me again here, people love getting massages. They love going to like the chiropractor. I love going to the chiropractor too. Actually, I'm going to take chiropractor out of this because I think they're in a whole different league here, but let's say a massage therapist, right? You want to go to a massage and oh man, like you feel so good when you're at the massage and like 60 minutes, you feel so good. You feel so calm. You feel so zen. But then by the time you've walked, you know, out of the office and you go down the stairs and some jerk kind of bumped you on your way down and then you get into the car, all of a sudden that kind of wears off. And, and my teacher at the time, he had this, this um, uh, he called it the parking lot effect, where when we have therapies that are done to us, like massage or whatever, and we don't actually, we're not an embodied like participant, like an active participant in the healing, it creates what's called the parking lot effect. Because we don't have, you didn't create your massage while helpful. I'm not bashing massage. I think massage is great and amazing and totally a part of like, you know, a mind-body healing program for sure. But there's no new neural networks being laid down when you are doing a massage. You are laying there and getting a massage and it's wonderful, but you're not an active participant in the healing. And we need to, if we want to create deep lasting change, we got to change that neural wiring, right? We need to take actions in our physical body, actions in reality, to change that wiring, okay? And we need to, you know, continue to pave and strengthen those connections every day, or we're gonna continue to do these kind of random things um, and we're not gonna actually experience that lasting change, okay? And no one can do that for you. Like, it has to be you. You have to be the one who's like an active participant in your own healing. And this is why I say to people when they join Embodied Ayurveda is like, this is not for you if you're not ready to like do some work, you know, and it's not like grueling work, you know, but you are the active participant. It's not like, okay, you're just going to sit back and like learn more information. Like you could Google that, you know, you you could Google some stuff. You need to be willing and you need to be ready and desire like a level of accountability to want to really seriously do the work to create change and be ready for it and be hungry for it. And the people who come into embodied Ayurveda or my one-on-one coaching or whatever it is, and who are hungry for the work and who want to, you know, just like make those transformations. Oh boy, do they show up and oh boy, do they get results. It's like mind blowing, but it's because they're ready to be an active participant in their own healing and in their own journey. So those are the three things that you might not be doing that you need to start doing in order to create deeper lasting transformation and change to get out of the stress, anxiety, depletion, cycle, to stop feeling so damn tired all the time, and to step more into that vibrant energy, into that alignment, and ultimately into, you know, having enough energy and resilience to be able to take on your goals or whatever it is that you want to do, whatever sort of purpose-driven mission it is that you want to do. So to recap, the three things that you need to start doing are, number one, Address and acknowledge your bio-individual nature, that you are unique. There is nobody else out there on this planet like you. And as a result, you need a protocol, a regimen, whatever you want to call it, that is unique to you and that takes into account your unique nature. Number two, you need to address your multi-dimensional nature. You need to acknowledge, well, you don't need to acknowledge, but hopefully you're ready to acknowledge rather (laughs) that you are a mind, body, spirit, integrated human being. That is not just a body. That is not just a mind. That is not just a spirit. And if we want to truly heal on like the deepest level and set ourselves up foundationally for 
more energy or for a deeper spiritual practice. We need to understand that fundamental truth and we need to create and we need to honor a system and a structure of, again, healing that is going to um, honor and acknowledge that fundamental truth. And then the last thing is you got to be consistent. We have to do this work daily. This has to be a daily practice, a daily ritual of showing up for ourselves, of doing these practices on a daily basis, not just when we feel anxious, not just when we feel stressed, not just when we've got a lot going on, not just when we don't have a lot going on. So, oh, we have the time. Um, And not just like, oh, I'm going to do this random, I don't know, like weekend retreat every now and then. Like this has to be a daily practice. Like I stand that my people cultivate daily rituals, daily practices, and I support them in what that looks like for them as unique individuals. So I hope this gave you some insight on the things that we need to have in place. Um, I hope that you found this helpful. As always, if you desire support, if you are looking to take this deeper, if you know that you do better with accountability and support and community and all the things, please reach out. Let's have a conversation about how we can best support you, whether that looks like supporting you through Embodied Ayurveda or a one-on-one coaching program or getting you set up with some free resources. We have a variety of different ways that we can support you. We've really done the work and are continuing to do the work around creating offerings and supports that are accessible to everybody, no matter where you at, where, no matter where you at, <laughs> no matter where you're at um, in your life, financially, time-wise, otherwise. So do not hesitate to reach out. I've got you. Let's have a conversation and let's get you set up for success moving forward. If you're tired of being tired, you're tired of being stressed and anxious and depleted and on that sad cycle and you want to get support to get out of it, you want to learn Ayurveda, you know, and you don't know what your next step is, just shoot me a message over on Instagram at Yogi Fuel. I'll have a link in the show notes here where you can book in a call. We offer free 30-minute um, consultations for people who are really looking for a next step, um, who are ready to make a change but have no idea what that next step is, um, we can definitely have a call that way and get you set up with some next steps and resources. So I hope you found this helpful. I hope that you take me up on this offer and uh, reach out to us, get some support, and I will see you next time on the Yogi Fuel Podcast. Mm-hmm.